Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Let me just share with you a little bit about baptism and why we do it. Number one is that it was commanded for us to baptize. So if you recall, we're going through our series in the book of Matthew. And at the very end of Matthew, and this is in chapter 28, the very last words that Jesus speaks, and this is right before he's going to ascend into heaven, he communicates, gives this command to his disciples. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So it's interesting that there's this specific call or command to baptize. And this is how, or this is kind of like a instructions to the apostles and how to build the church and how to help people grow in maturity um, as they trust in Christ. And baptism is considered a beginning step of this. It's one of the beginning steps of of this journey in following Jesus. So this morning, I want to share with you why we practice baptism and why we celebrate it in this way. And so we celebrate it by having people come up and give testimonies um, and this is not a, some formality. We, we don't like uh, want to put you guys through turmoil and make you stand up and, and speak in front of people. Uh, we don't uh, dunk you in water just because we think it's fun and like to get people wet. Uh, there's important truths um, when expressing um, that we're expressing as we do these things. So, There's reasons or intentions behind having you come up and give your testimonies and then later getting baptized. So why do we baptize people in water? Why do we go out into Lake Michigan at Warren Dune State Park and make such a big deal about this? And here's the answer. It's because baptism is a physical act that represents a spiritual truth. Okay? It's a physical act that we do that represents a spiritual truth. Actually, not only are we going to baptize tonight, but we're actually going to take communion this morning as well, which is another act that represents a spiritual truth. So a sign, you can think of baptism as a sign that explains through symbolism a spiritual truth. All right. So, for example, I don't know if many of you go, go to a wedding. When you go to a wedding, sometimes they have two candles that are lit. And at some point during the ceremony, the, the bride and the groom take the candles and they light one candle. And it's expressing some spiritual truth. And so if you go to the book of Genesis, when um, there's this call for man to leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. And, the, and it says that the two shall become one flesh. And so there's this spiritual truth that takes place, this union. Um, do, you, do you guys remember like the DC uh, 
characters, uh, the Wonder Twins. You guys have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> Everyone's either way younger than me that don't remember this, but it's these, these twins, and when they, when they actually, they do kind of like fist pump thing together, and they become one person, right? So when, when God or when Jesus talks about the two becoming one, he's not literally meaning that two become one, right? But there's a, there's a spiritual truth in this two flesh becoming one flesh. And so the candles is a picture of that. It's a symbol of what transpires spiritually. And so in the same way, the act of baptizing someone in water is a sign or picture of wonderful truths that have been promised to us in scripture. So for example, let's turn to Romans chapter six. If you have your Bibles with you, feel free. You can turn there. I also have it up on the screen. You can just follow along. This is verses three through six. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And so in the book of Romans, if we take a little step back and try to understand the context of this passage specifically, Paul takes time in unpacking the gospel of Jesus or the good news of Jesus. And he explains, and this is in probably the first you know, chapters one through five, he explains that forgiveness of sin is obtained by grace through faith. So forgiveness of sin is obtained by grace through faith. In other words, we cannot rid ourselves of our sin by ourselves or the consequences of sin. So no matter the kind of work that we do, the efforts that we make in order to, to uh, clean ourselves from sin or to cause God to forgive us of sin, there's nothing we can do. In a sense, we are all in the same boat and that boat is sinking and there's no way that we can, we can plug the holes. There's no amount of effort that we can take to bail ourselves out of this sinking ship. And so the point is, is that we need, we need a savior. We need somebody that is outside of the boat to come along and through a gracious act, save us. And so that's what we mean by grace. It is by grace through faith or trusting in Jesus that we are saved. So we're, we're in the same boat. We're sinking, but Jesus came to take our sin and, and he did it by nailing it on the cross. And that's why we have a cross up here for us to remember what he has done for us. He nailed it to the cross it is by his death and resurrection, we are now declared righteous in the eyes of God. 
So it's that act that takes away sin and makes us righteous. So when you are baptized, you are acknowledging this wonderful spiritual truth. You are communicating through action that Jesus took your sin and made you righteous by his sacrifice on the cross. That's what you are communicating when you are baptized. You're saying, this is, it's kind of an amen. So be it. Let it be so. This is what Jesus did for me. That's what baptism represents. It's an expression of your faith in what Jesus did for you. It's an expression of faith. So an example of this, you guys um, ever like go to a Christian camp where um, they, they do this thing, it's called the trust fall. Ever done it where you, you get up on some type of high thing like a chair or a table or something and your friends are standing behind you with sticking their hands out like this in like a line and then you fall and they're supposed to catch you if they're nice friends. But it's that kind of question. They're standing, you're standing up there and they call it the trust fall because you're not looking at, at it, right? You have to fall back. So you're not, you don't know if they're going to catch you or not. You have to trust in your friends. Do you have good friends? But, but that's why it's trusting, right? Because you're, not, you're, you're hoping, right? You're trusting that they're going to catch you. So let's just say you're standing up there or someone's standing up there and you go, do you trust in your friends? You're like, yeah, I trust in my friends. All right, then fall. Mm, no. But don't you trust in your friends? Yeah, I completely trust in my friends. Well, then fall back. No. Do they really trust? And so... Um, the, the falling back, right, taking action, some type of action is actually the expression of faith, right? So if you really believe, there's an action that takes place. Well, the wonderful thing about baptism, that's, that's kind of what baptism is. It's, I believe and trust that this is what Christ has done for me, and so I'm going to take this step. And it's a two-step process, how we do it. It's, it's confessing or a proclamation through word, through testimony of what God has done in your life. And then it's the act of baptism. Because in baptism, you are actually expressing what has transpired. It's through action. So it's not just with word, but in action as well. So Baptism is an expression of your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. Here's the other one. It's an, also an expression of unity, your unity with Christ. So if you go back to that verse 5, um, if you want, um, Brendan, you can throw that back up there. Verse 5 in our passage says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So there's this union that we have with him, that we have died with Christ, and that therefore we will also rise with Christ. So it's this acknowledgement, listen, we, we are all going to die. There's, right, there's two certainties in life, taxes and death, hopefully in that order, right? Not death and tax, but there's, there's two certainties, death being one of them, 
And of course, there's this idea of that we're united with Christ. Um, he died as well. We will someday die. But then we will also experience a resurrection like his. And this should give us hope that death has been defeated. We will one day experience resurrected bodies and live forever with our maker. And baptism is an acknowledgement of this future hope. This is what we're hoping in. And it's an expression when we are baptized. Here's the, the third one. This is the last one. Baptism is an acknowledgement that we have died to ourselves. So if we jump back from our passage, we jump back to the first two verses. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. We, um, it says, by no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And then, of course, it continues on and says that we can now uh, live in newness of life. So it's this expression of, you know, when you're being dunked or submerged, it's I'm dying to my old self. The old way of thinking, the old way of living for myself, I am, I am dying to. I'm giving up. I'm sacrificing it. And then when you come up, it's like this expression of now I am a new person. There's a newness of life. I'm go I was going one direction, and when you come up out of that water, now I'm going a different direction, and it's following Christ. It's following his ways. It's living, it's living for him. So it's the turning from our selfish ways and making a commitment to live for Jesus. And here, friends, we, we will not do this perfectly. So when you guys get baptized later this evening, it's not like all of a sudden you come popping out of that water and then everything is hunky-dory and you will never sin again. That is, that is not what's going to happen. But it's this, it's this mindset of now I am living in a different way and when I fall or struggle, or when I walk off this path, I am committed, I'm committed to repent and to seek forgiveness and come back to the path and continue on. So it's not like this guarantee that you're not going to fall or stray, but it's when you do that you're going to get back up, right? You're going to seek forgiveness. And we've already talked about that Jesus paid it all right? That he has forgiven you of your sin. So it's just a matter of just confessing that to him, honestly, and going, you know what? I'm, I'm repenting again. I'm turning back again and walking that path. But baptism is that kind of that expression of that, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be determined now to walk a new path in life. So let me just close with this. Those of you who are getting baptized this evening, this is my prayer for you. This is my prayer for you. It's that this whole process of giving your testimony before fellow believers and getting baptized in front of these, these same fellow believers, that, that this would strengthen your faith. You already have faith. This is, this is you taking that step in faith and we already see that faith in you, but that throughout the next years of your life, 
that you may be strengthened. So when there are times of doubt, when there are times of failing, you can recall the time that you made a confession of faith and that there was fellow believers that affirmed that faith. They are, they are giving their amen when they're down with you witnessing your baptism. When they celebrate when you come back up with the hugs and the applause and the celebration, they are affirming your profession of faith. And so I would just encourage you after this day to think back when there's times of struggle or doubt, temptation, to think back. Think back to this time of your confession and that there was a body of believers that affirmed it as well. And may that strengthen you. And with that, let's, can we do one song? Um, we'll come up and just sing uh, a song and then um, I'll have Luke. Where is Luke? Is he, there he is. Well, since, since you're in the farthest back, we'll have you come up and then Kirsten, um, then you can come up and share your testimony and then the row in front. Okay, great, thanks. All righty. Good morning. Um, uh, I grew up in a strong Christian home, and my parents actually met through a singles group at the church that we attended, which was Liberty Bible Church. Um, I was one of the kids who was raised in the church and was extremely active uh, in all the church activities um, all the way through high school. Church felt like a second home, and it was where, and we were because we were constantly there. Um, whether it was Sunday school, VBS, church choir, youth group, or various other youth programs. I accepted God as my savior sometime in late elementary school, um, and my parents were key in developing and coaching me in my faith, as well as some key youth pastors. I had all the right upbringing to start this journey in faith. However, I lost my dad at age 15. Um, it was my freshman year of high school, and the depression after this was something that really shook my faith. Um, I got upset at God and really began to blame him for taking my father um, when I felt like I really needed him. Um, I got to a point where I was suicidal and really could not open up to anyone about it. Um, I stayed active in the church and in the high school ministries, but my faith never felt the same. One of the key relationships that I made during this time was with someone that you might know, Ryan Rodson. Um, while we'd known each other for quite some time at this point, um, we grew a whole lot closer about 10 months after my dad had passed. Long story short, we helped each other through some really tough times and uh, have remained friends for the last 12 to 13 years. I kind of coasted the rest of the way through high school and my faith was pretty stagnant. Um, I never stopped believing in God, but I certainly was not living to honor him or really taking my relationship with him into consideration. Going off to college did not help this either. I basically got to school and started drinking and smoking weed and partying because that was the lifestyle of my roommate and plenty of others around me. Um, I did nothing to protect myself from any of this. Um, and then I ended up dropping out of college after three semesters and moved home. I took a job working for Tony Rutson, some of you might know as well, uh, and worked construction for him for a little over a year. During this time, I had plenty of people speaking truth into my life and was attending church again, but my faith really still just took the back burner. Um, skipped to about six years ago, I had moved to Indianapolis with a then ex-girlfriend, 
And every once in a while, I had attempted to go to a new church down there on my own. Um, I went four, to four or five different churches, um, but never really felt that welcome and uh, never gave any of those churches a second chance. That relationship ended a little over a year ago, uh, and I had plenty of moments where I prayed about what to do next. Um, I was in an interesting position. Uh, it was stay in Indianapolis or move home to Northwest Indiana. I had a dream job at the time um, where I was a service manager of a custom auto shop where we were servicing and modifying sports cars and exotics. Um, if you don't know me, I love cars. Um, I really enjoyed what I was doing for work, uh, but in the end I decided that I had to give that up and come home in order to strengthen my relationship with my family and my close friends. Um, I did feel that God helped me in that time, and I was definitely feeling called home for plenty of reasons outside of that. Um, I moved home and did not have a job. I was working odd jobs until I found something more permanent. Um, but I was barely scraping by at the time and was praying to God pretty often about like what to do next. Um, I had some interesting job opportunities come through, um, but nothing was really like happening. Um, everything was really unforeseen and pretty and honestly pretty confusing. Um, I was wanting to get my life back on track. I kept the communication open with God, but was struggling to see any real direction. Um, not too far into the year, though, a lot of it was answered in a rather interesting way. My roommate at the time, Oliver, uh, we were sitting down watching a show on a Sunday night when we got a group message from Ryan. It was about his mother and basically said that the doctors did not think that she was going to make it through the night. Neither of us said a word. Um, we basically got up, headed out the door to the hospital. Not only is Brian like a brother to us, but his mom was like a second mother, and we could not let our brother or his family go through that alone. I'll spare the details of the rest of the situation, but I had some pretty crazy realizations through that night as I sat in the hospital praying for the Rutsons and more specifically Deb. God had a plan for me to be there in that situation. I realized so many things all at once that had never made sense before that event. I realized that God had placed me in that moment to be there for my second family. He had taken me out of a previous toxic relationship, out of a dream job, called me home, and had me struggle to find a job for the previous five months. He had strategically and methodically done so much work in my life in order for me to just be sitting there in that hospital. I literally felt as though so many worries and questions about my current situation were answered like in an instant. Not many people have a specific moment where it feels like God answers them directly about all the things that they had prayed about or anguished over, but that was my moment. I felt as though God had showed me who, what, when, where, and why all the things in my recent history had happened, and it was very, very overwhelming. Um, I have felt a fire in me since that time and established a fresh connection and relationship with God since the beginning of this year. Um, it, it has absolutely been a year of many emotions, but God has provided God has given me a new direction with my life, and I've experienced a multitude of blessings since my relationship with God has been rekindled. Uh, it was only a couple weeks ago when I had heard of the baptismal service that the church was putting on, and uh, it's been weighing on my heart ever since, uh, and that is why I'm here today. Thank you. My name is Kirsten, and I would like to share my testimony of how I came to know Jesus Christ. 
Before I came to know Jesus, I lived my life in a self-focused routine, thinking only of myself and damaging every relationship that came my way. I was angry at the life that I was given and took that anger and sadness out on myself and everyone around me. That anger and sadness turned into substance abuse of money forms at a very young age and into my early adulthood. Looking back now, I see so many signs that I ignored where Jesus was calling me to him. In October of 2020, I got behind the wheel after another long day of drinking and rolled my car into a ditch, resulting in a C1 fracture that should have killed or crippled me. This traumatic event should have opened my eyes to what good grace and mercy he bestowed upon me, but I continued down my dark path. Fast forward to one year later, when I served jail time for my selfish actions, I came to seek his forgiveness. He opened a love in my heart that I had never felt before. I became aware of the damage that I caused by trying to walk my own path and began seeking his hand over my own. It was hard for me to understand why he let me go so far down before bringing me to him, but when I read 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I understood that he was always there, and I was lacking faith. His mercy through my darkest hour brought my heart to see that I was fully deserving of his wrath and that I needed to change for the better. And it wasn't until December of 2021 that the Rudson family, specifically Deb, Alicia, and Ryan, were brought into my life through the grace of God. My late mother-in-law taught me so much about Jesus' love for us and how he died on the cross for our sins. My heart was softened throughout the months of being around a faith-filled family, and they helped me to see and trust in the ways that Jesus works in our lives and to place my faith fully in him. Throughout the last two and a half years, Christ has changed so much in my life for the better that I do not recognize the person I was before him. He has grown my love, faith, patience, and kindness immeasurably and helped me to let go of my plan and trust in his. Of course, there are still struggles and pain, but I now know that through Christ, there is not pain without purpose and every tear is accounted for. I now know that I have eternal life in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, My name is Tristan Daniger, and um, I moved down here about a month ago. Um, Started working at Oselka Marina just down the road from here. Um, believe it or not, this was the very first church, this building was the very first church um, that I stood in and went through sermon and Sunday school since 2012. And that was July 9th of this year. Some of you may recognize me from that day. But since then, I've been going to uh, Sawyer. Um, On Friday, uh, I was directed towards a part of 1 John, um, chapter 3, verse 14 through 16, um, as I was preparing my testimony, my last testimony. 
to start off at John 3.14. It says, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love our brothers in Christ. Whoever does not love abides in death. This struck hard for me on Friday um, because previous to about a year and a half ago, I was acting as an agent of darkness. In other words, a Satanist. I loved no one else but myself. I acted out to do things that I wanted, regardless of who got hurt in the process. I sacrificed friendships, relationships, even my own family members, for the sake of greed, lust, pride, ultimately control over my life. Acting in this spirit of sin, it has brought me to the lowest points of my life. I was alone, suffering, aimless, empty of life, mentally ill, and in severe pain. At that moment, Jesus started acting into my life when videos of the motivation of faith through God began to be sent to me by my mother. My mother and I did not have a great relationship before this. In fact, I haven't spoken to her in many years since high school. Um, and the first time that she reached out to me, she sent me one of these videos. Started off as one video, then two, then five, then 10 videos. At the end of it, my social media was filled with motivational stories about walking in the faith of God, about the changes that giving yourself to Jesus would do in your life as it did in theirs. I believe Jesus acted through my mother, she who I have hurt countless times, to bring me back from the death throes that was my previous life. And through all of this, it came to an ultimate head when after moving three states, changing my vehicle twice, and through seven years with a strong desire to destroy it, I found an old Bible that my friend gave to me in high school. I opened it up and I started to thirst for God's word and for God's love stronger than ever before. Jesus worked tirelessly from that point on, healing me of my mental illness from my mental illness taking control over my life, bringing me through hardship after hardship after hardship. 
and blessing me with a new life up here in Michigan, working at Osalco Marina, meeting all of you, and bringing me to this church and to the church in Sawyer. He showed me the errors of my way before he came into my life. And he gave me grace, mercy, and love. Despite all that I've done. He has empowered a desire in me to follow him and declare him as my Lord and Savior today. To remove the darkness that I have once invited into my life into the lives of others around me. To finish this off in 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers in Christ. Christ gave his life for my sin. To wash it clean with his blood that has been spilled on the cross. My baptism today in the name of Jesus, who bears witness to all of it, is a confirmation of that act of love and grace from God through the actions of Jesus to me. And I accept it with full honor to him as both my salvation and as my Lord today. Thank you. Hi, my name's Thatcher. Some of you may know me, some of you may not. I've been raised in a Christian household my entire life, but it wasn't about two years ago until I really knew Christ. And for about a year, I was going strong, but then I fell. Then I fell into a lot of sins, and it didn't go well. And then my friend Odin got me back into it. And another thing that helped me that I saw on social media was, if you were to die tomorrow, would you be saved? And that really, that really helped me. And ever since then, I've wanted to be baptized. Uh, now, I've had my ups and downs, but the Lord has never failed me, and there's nothing more that I would want than to be reborn in the Lord's name. Acts 2.38 says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I shall abide by that. Hi, my name is Julian, and I'm 10 years old. I would like to be baptized because I would like to show that I am following Jesus. Growing up, I always knew that there was a God that was in control, and I always knew that Jesus died on the cross to take our sins if we followed him. But I didn't think about them being there for me until I went to church. Going to church taught me who God is and that 
He is always there and always does something for a reason. I believe Jesus died for my sins, and now I want to follow him because of what he has done for me. In my future, I would like to try and be like Jesus and what he wants us to be. Thank you. My name's Odin. I am 12 years old, and I only recently started going to this church with my buddy Thatcher. And I've learned and grew as a Christian. Only about a year ago was I giving in to temptation every single day and sinning. I've learned, repented more times than I can count, and grew as a Christian since then. Being baptized has been on my mind for a while now. I want to be reborn and walk a new life as Jesus Christ did when he rose from his death. Romans 6, 3-4 says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism and into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. Every single person on this planet was born into sin, including me. I pray that getting baptized will show my faith in Jesus and my desire to live a holy and just life. Hey, my name is David, and today I'm going to be sharing my testimony with you guys. I don't really remember what life was like before Christianity. I grew up as a missionary kid in Peru, and my family went to church every Sunday as far back as I can remember. I had the great blessing of having God-loving parents to guide me through my walk with the Lord. At a young age, I prayed with my parents and pledged my life to Jesus. Living around such solid Christians definitely helped develop my faith, but it was more something I did because my parents and everybody around me was doing, rather than something I would have chosen on my own. For many years after I first devoted my life to the Lord, my faith was at a standstill. I knew the Bible stories and I read the Bible every morning, but it wasn't a joy for me. <clears throat> I only did it because of my parents made me. All throughout junior high, I went to have fun with my friends and play games, but the teachings just felt like something I had to get through to do the fun stuff. It kind of reminds me of an example the main teacher on the summer trip told us. He said, imagine there are three men that go down a rut, go for a run down your road every every morning. The f one day you decide to stop them and ask them why they run. The first guy says, my dad died of a heart attack when he was 50. I don't want that to happen to me, so that's why I run. He ran out of fear of the consequences if he didn't run. The second guy says, I run because it wakes me up in the morning before I go to work, and I feel more energized during the day if I run. He ran because of the benefits it brought him. The third guy s tells you, I just run because I love running. He simply ran because of the joy it brought him. I think the same thing was happening in my walk with Christ. I followed him because I was scared of hell and because I wanted to go to heaven, but I wasn't following him because I loved following him. That changed when I started going to youth group. I built relationships with strong Christians and saw that they followed God just because they loved it. I saw how much joy it brought to their lives, and I really wanted to have that same joy. I wanted to conquer the sins that had brewed in my life for so long. 
For many years, I had a huge problem with anger. I'm a very competitive person, and competition typically brought the worst out in me. I knew my actions hurt people, and I wanted to change that, but I was trying to change them on my own. Because of this, I got discouraged when I saw no progress. One day, I was talking to a friend at youth group, and he was telling me about the sin in his life. He told me a story of something he had struggled with for a long time, and it was only when he took it to Jesus that he started to see results. This inspired me to bring my sin to Jesus. I started praying for him to help me every night, and when I started getting angry, I would pray for patience. It took a long time, but I finally started seeing results. I still get angry sometimes, but when I do, I try to ask the Lord for his help. After that, I wanted to grow stronger in Christ every day. I wanted to read his word and honor him in every way possible. I know that whenever I mess up and sin against him, he'll be waiting for me and loving me perfectly, even though I can never follow him perfectly. I think many people misunderstand what baptism truly is. Baptism doesn't save you, but I think baptism is a symbolic way of showing that you've been saved and that Christ has washed away all your sins. I want to get baptized to show that the Lord has saved me and to make a proclamation that I've devoted my life to Christ and will hold steadfast to him for the rest of my life. Hi, I'm Lucas Silva. Um, I was raised by two God-loving parents and grew up going to church every Sunday. We were missionaries in Peru on and off from when I was two until I was 10. I, told my whole li- I was told my whole life that Jesus loved me and saved me from my sins, but I was never comfortable accepting that Jesus could truly love a sinner like me with all his heart. Throughout my life, I struggled with doubt. I couldn't understand how it came naturally to a God so divine to wrap me up in a tender embrace when I utterly reject him. The author of the book, Gentle and Lowly, gives a great example in his book of how I pictured God before he saved me. The illustration is of a boy touching the slug for the first time with a scrunched up face and cautiously outstretched arm. I figured there was no way God didn't feel forced to love someone like me, and the only way I could ever really be saved was by simply just not sinning. I tried my best to stop being selfish and to always think of others before myself and to love others. Once I'd felt like I'd stopped a certain sin, I would start to believe that I actually might have a shot at going to heaven. But then I would sin but then I would sin again and I would be devastated. I didn't realize that my biggest sin was not trusting in the Lord. It seemed impossible that God could have truly died for all my sins. I felt lost and I was held captive by my sin. Before I left for this youth group summer trip in Florida, I was hoping and praying that God would change my heart for him and draw me closer to him. And he answered my prayer. In my elective uh, classes and large sessions during the trip, I learned that God's gift of grace and love isn't something that we asked for, but he gave it to us because he loved us enough to give up his only son to die for our sins. I learned from Romans 8 that God is for me and not against me. And if he is for me, then no tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or life or death or angels or rulers or things present or things to come or powers or height or depth or anything else in all creation can ever separate me from the love of God. I hadn't put my faith in him 
or applied any of the learning to my own life until the last night of the trip when only Sawyer met together to share what God had done over the trip. After a few people had shared some things, I realized that God had really been at work in my heart since the beginning of the trip. I realized that I would never be able to stop sinning, but I would also never be able to stop the love of Christ for me, which transcends all sin. That just how God came looking for Adam and Eve when they hid from him, he would search for me and bring me home when I stray. I can be comforted that Jesus forgives me for my sins and loves me despite my flaws because it's who he is, and that can lead me to put all of my faith in him. After the trip, I realized that I can find true joy in what can't be found in earth, but endures forever unlike anything in this world because I know that this earth is only a small temporary tent and heaven is a huge structure that endures forever. So I'm overjoyed now to seek a better relationship with God and to live as a light shining in the darkness by sharing the great gift that was given to me graciously and undeservingly. And I'm comforted that I can worship and thank him my whole life because his glories never end. I wanna get baptized because I'm ready to accept that Jesus took all of my sin and shame with him on the cross, and he completely and totally paid for all of my sins when he died and rose again. I'm proclaiming that I've turned to the Lord, and I'm overjoyed to love the Lord with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I accept that I'm a child of God, and I'm born again through the death of my sin, on, or through the death of Jesus on the cross. I want to be a vessel of God's love that he poured out on me. I'm not living in sin anymore, but I'm living in the Lord. Thank you. My name is Evan Searles. I've been going to Sawyer since 2016, so for seven years. I've always been a Christian by name, but I've never really thought about the spiritual world or considered my future after death. I've always enjoyed coming to church, and I've gone to jam and youth group, but that was mostly just because I had friends there. However, in the months leading up to the summer trip for the youth group, I'd begun to question if I was really saved. When I was three or four, I'd prayed to God to save me from my sins. I was too young to really mean anything, though, and I only prayed to God in the moment because my parents told me to. The pastor of the church told me that because of that one prayer, I was saved. However, I realized that isn't true. It is your faith in God that Jesus died on the cross that saves you, not any prayer or actions. I began to pray every night, asking God how I could be saved and what I could do to make that happen. The conference for the summer trip offered different electives to choose from. One of the electives I chose was on grief and suffering. My parents stopped living together when I was little, and that was hard on me. I was full of anger over their separation. Though I didn't realize it at the time, one of the reasons I took the grief and suffering was to do with the anger I had in me. The other elective I chose was called, If God Controls Everything, Do My Choices Really Matter? At the conference, the electives were every morning and the large group conference was in the evening. During the first session of the Do My Choices Matter elective, the preaching was on how God changes us. We are born into the world as sinners with our own mindset, our own motives, and our own will. And when God saves us, we are given a new mindset a new motive, and a new will to serve him. We have desires for him, not ourselves. The elective also went over the story of Joseph and displayed the huge number of sins against God. However, our sins can't mess up God's plan. 
The elective also talks about how God is in control and we must submit to him. There's nothing we can do to stop God. One theme through the whole elective was that God chooses us, not the other way around. God predestines us before we are born and then shows us his love. He gives us a choice to accept him into our lives. However, the love of God is so incredible that if we truthfully, truthfully experience him, there's no way we'd turn him down. The grief and suffering elective also taught, about, taught a lot about giving your sorrows to God and relying on him. These teachings really hit home on me. I realized I'd been trying to save myself and asking God what I had to do to be saved. I began to recognize there's nothing I can do to save myself, but I realized that I have to let God work in me. Friday night during worship, I prayed that God would save me, and I gave my life to him. I recognize that I need to give up my selfish desires and live for him. I want to spread his good news with everyone I meet. The Lord has filled me with a joy that I haven't experienced before, and I really feel a desire to live for him. I've, since then, I've tried to be kind and do what the Lord wants for me. I've wanted to confess my sins, apologize, and make them right. I have a strong desire to pray and read the Bible, something I've never experienced before. I've surrendered my sorrows to God, and I can rely on him for all my worries. I want to get baptized because I want my testimony to bring glory to the Lord and to publicly celebrate and confess my faith. Hi, everybody. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Lincoln Smith, and this is my testimony of how God has work, been working throughout my life. I've been at this church for all 15 years of my life, or at least at Sawyer, and like many of you, I grew up being a Christian. I've always known that God was there, that he existed. I just never really understood or acted like it. I just lived life to have fun and kind of acknowledged God on Sundays to keep my ticket to heaven and my title as a Christian. I never really had this huge low moment in my life or a traumatic event where I questioned God, but for most of my life, I just kind of ignored him. I didn't read my Bible, I didn't pray, and like I said earlier, I pretty much just saved those things for Sunday. In a sermon recently, Joe was talking about how he knew someone um, that told him that they were going to come to God later in their life, and they just wanted to enjoy their life now, or something similar at least. And although I probably wouldn't ever admit it back then, that was pretty much what my subconscious mindset was. Um, things pretty much stayed that way all the way up until when I started going to youth group. When I first started going to youth group, I just went to hang out and have fun like I had done with Jim in middle school. But I soon realized shortly after that it wasn't that way for everyone else. God has blessed me with an amazing youth group and youth pastor who, unlike me at the time, had their priorities straight and set a great example for me in this season of my life. Working through Joe's preaching, people sharing in youth group, and even just conversations in the hot tub with friends, God be able, began to change my perspective on what life was really all about. Many amazing trips and retreats along with these things were used to draw me closer to God, and I started going to youth group for more than just having fun. One trip specifically where I felt God speaking to me and what kind of led me to want to get baptized was this last summer trip. For those of you who don't know, this summer trip was a conference, and um, in the conference we had two electives, which were pretty much just classes. Uh, my electives were Amazing Grace, More Than Just a Song, and Grief and Suffering, The Gifts That No One Asked For. Through these electives, which I had really just picked because other people were doing them that I knew, um, God taught me a lot about his grace and how he's in control even in the worst circumstances. However, my main takeaway from these electives was on the last day of the trip when both my electives talked about heaven and how it tied to the lesson. Growing up in the church, it was all kind of things I had already known the basic idea of, 
or known about them, but it never really sunk in like it did during those electives. <clears throat> God began to open my eyes as I realized how things of the flesh, like being good at something, being liked, or worldly things that made me happy, basically everything that I'd lived for up to that point, none of it mattered. What did truly matter are not temporary things like these, but things of the spirit and the life after this one, which are eternal. The fact that there is a life after this one and that I can spend an eternity of happiness with God is all because of Jesus who died on the cross, taking my sin with him, the greatest example of God's amazing grace. After the trip, I just sort of looked at life differently. I feel less obligated to please people, try to get them to like me, and trying to be the best at everything, like sports, which is not a bad thing, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't a priority over God anymore. That next youth group, after the summer trip, Joe held a meeting for anyone interested in baptism, and at that point, I wasn't sure about getting baptized at all. Actually, I was leaning more towards not getting baptized, but I went to the meeting anyways, and it got me thinking about it a lot more. Over the next few days, I just prayed about it and tried to figure things out, and God just pointed out to me that um, how he had been working through my life, and I realized that if I was being totally honest with myself, the only reason I was hesitant to get baptized in the first place was because of the pressure of writing my testimony and sharing it with everyone. <laughs> which is a terrible reason not to get baptized. So I continued to pray, and I tried to figure out what God was trying to tell me. But I wasn't exactly sure how it was going to happen. So I just decided to sit down and read my Bible. And it had been a while since I just picked like a book of the Bible and read it all the way through. So I just opened my Bible to a random page, and it happened to go to a bookmark where I had left off in Romans a long time ago. It was Romans 6, actually, what we just read at the beginning of this. Um, I read it immediately knew what God was trying to tell me something. The chapter, was, it was all about baptism, and that was when, in my head, I officially decided that I wanted to get baptized. Although I'm not perfect and I will still sin, I know that I have been forgiven and born again in Christ. I'm thankful for all God has done in my life, and I'm ready to take the next step in my faith by getting baptized. Thank you. Just a reminder, we will be meeting at Warren Dunes State Park at 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, make sure... What's that? Come early. Come early. And uh, we'll be in the first parking lot. When you get into the parking lot, you just go down to the beach, and we'll probably be more on the left side of that parking lot. And we'd love to see you all there. And with that, here this blessing from Ephesians chapter 3. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go in his peace. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.